In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the Sacrament. Amen. Happy New Year! With the start of Advent this weekend, we enter a new year for our cycle of readings. And after progressing all the way through years B and C on this show, we return to where it all began, year A. Whereas year B focuses on the Gospels of Mark and John and year C on Luke, year A's main Gospel is Matthew. But before we get to the Gospel, we'll look at our first and second readings for the weekend. And we begin with a passage from our old friend, Isaiah. The passage we'll hear at Mass is from the very beginning of his lengthy book. It's the first five verses of chapter 2. In chapter 1, Isaiah says that Zion, that's another name for Jerusalem, is no longer the city it once was. Like Batman's motivating factor, the city must be purged from its corrupted leaders. Yet this oracle of condemnation in chapter 1 is followed up by an oracle of salvation in chapter 2. Isaiah presents a vision of what Jerusalem will eventually become. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and raised above the hills. Now, for anyone who's ever been to Jerusalem on pilgrimage, you can picture that Mount Zion, on which the temple sits, is a far cry from the highest mountain in the world. In fact, the Temple Mount isn't even the highest elevation in the general vicinity since the Mount of Olives towers over the temple. But like New Yorkers who believe their city is the center of the universe, Isaiah's point is that one day, Zion will be the highest mountain, metaphorically speaking, in the whole world. What makes it so important? All nations shall stream toward it. The word he uses for stream here describes the downward flow of a river. So here, the people are miraculously flowing uphill. And as they flow uphill, they say to themselves, Come, let us climb the Lord's mountain, that he may instruct us in his ways. The people are traveling up to Jerusalem to be instructed by the God of Jacob. This word for instruction is actually Torah, the same word for the Hebrew scriptures. Just as the Israelites once received Torah on Mount Sinai by way of Moses, now Isaiah's vision is that all people will also receive Torah on Mount Zion by way of God himself. We know by now, of course, that St. Paul is constantly using metaphors and examples in his letters, and our second reading is no exception. Speaking to the Christians in Rome, St. Paul uses an analogy that every single human being can relate to. It's the experience of waking up in the morning. You know the time. It is the hour now for you to awake from sleep. He's saying, look, Christians, it's time to get up and get moving. We shouldn't be caught sleeping when it comes to our faith. Or, as Scott Hahn puts it in his commentary on the letter to the Romans, Christians live in the transitional period between the black of night and the bright light of morning. Naturally, after someone jumps out of bed, he or she starts to ask, hmm, what am I going to wear today? That's the next step of St. Paul's metaphor. Let us throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Ultimately, what, or maybe I should say whom, the Christians are encouraged to put on is the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the process, also to make no provision for the desires of the flesh. As mentioned, we'll be hearing from St. Matthew's Gospel for just about every Sunday in year A. And it starts this weekend, with Jesus telling his disciples about the coming of the Son of Man. He compares it to the days of Noah in that there'll be an unexpectedness to the arrival. They did not know until the flood came and carried them all away. So will it be also at the coming of the Son of Man. From there, Jesus paints a picture of what the return will look like. He says that two men will be out in the field. One will be taken and the other left. 
Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. That Jesus uses an example with men and an example with women shows us that there's no preference for one gender over another. Everyone will be subject to his return. Now, a good amount of people hear this story and assume that those who are taken are the ones being brought to heaven. You may even remember that famous book series, Left Behind, from some years ago, in which some people were suddenly raptured up into heaven, leaving everyone else behind. But the exact opposite is what's envisioned here. The ones left are the surviving remnant spared from eternal punishment. It's a theme that we see throughout the prophets of the Old Testament. The ones removed from a location are those captured or killed in judgment, while those who remain are the remnant. After all, think even of the Babylonian exile. The Israelites believed those taken away from Jerusalem and into exile were done so because they had disobeyed God. So that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this first Sunday in Advent in year A. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.